0: Hello, and welcome to Lodestar's Lending Leaders. I'm Jim Paolino, founder and CEO of Lodestar Software Solutions. On this podcast, I'm going to be talking to leaders in the mortgage and real estate industries. Our goal is to talk about current events, interesting things from their end of the industry, and anything else that we feel is fascinating leaders. Excited today to bring on a friend and very special guest, Matt Patterson, Executive Vice President of Business Development at Draper and Kramer Mortgage Company. Our goal here is to, as always, bring you different views on the lending industry. Different folks who are leaders in there, and I think Matt very much fits the bill here. So very excited to hear from him and, and have a fun fun conversation. So Matt, thanks so much for coming on.
1: You know, thank you for asking me to join you today.
0: Absolutely. Um, so curious um, to get started for the listeners here. Um, currently, you're you're in. Uh, sales role at Draper and Kramer, what what has kind of your industry path been to that point? Has it always been on the sales side or is that something that, you know, over time you kind of fell into?
1: Well, I started in 1982 with uh, Wells Fargo and worked for that for several years and moved on to a local mortgage banker, worked for there for a bit, and then worked for a company named Sapir Mortgage for 25 years and uh, was president of that company when it was uh, moved over and sold. And so I started in the loan officer piece in the early mm-hmm. '80s, and then I just kind of moved through most executive positions of the company over time. Mm-hmm. I joined Draper and Kramer five years ago, and it's been a great experience with them. And my role today is a little bit uh, oversight of sales, a little bit uh, product development, you know, a little bit uh, looking at you know executive items. And with our executive team. So it's a little bit diversified, but most of my focus is trying to help loan officers grow their career and their production.
0: Mm-hmm. And I know from from working with you for the past few years, just the growth that we've seen in the in the company has been um fantastic. So, you know, kudos to you and the and the Draper and Kramer team for that. I know you had mentioned, I didn't want to necessarily date you, but you already pulled out 1982 as the starting year. So <laughs> yeah. I'm going to consider yeah. that um, free range <laughs> to ask you some some uh, questions there. So you've had, yeah. I guess, the um, perspective of going through the savings and loan crisis, the dot-com burst, um, 9-11, um, the Great Recession, and how do you kind of view those impacts on the industry versus what's happened in 2020. I know um, the word unprecedented is probably been used more in the last year than any other year combined. So how are you viewing kind of this past year versus the the years before it?
1: Uh, out of those crises that I've been around to be a part of as a person who's a seasoned for a long time in the industry, I would say that the the hardest one was, the, the, you know, 2007. Mm-hmm. And, um, I would say that last year, you know, I experienced it inside of Draper and Kramer, we were probably more prepared than other lenders. We were already working in Microsoft Teams. We were already mm-hmm. in the Microsoft suite of products. We were already had our people deployed with laptops. So literally when that crisis came along with COVID, we just said, everybody, hey, close up your laptops and go work from home. And it happened, the transition happened very rapidly for us. We also have a really strong leadership team with Paul Lucan and Brett Stefanski. who understand the capitalized markets very well. Mm -hmm. So it allowed us to navigate a lot of those pieces along with our other executives. So it was uniquely different, yes. Mm -hmm. um, But I can say I was very fortunate to be a part of and a leader at a company that was
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, more prepared for something that was unprecedented and not expected.
0: And what, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of benefit to the industry in the last year and a lot of good problems to have. That's a phrase I probably use about five times a day now in my in my conversations. Um, but what what were some of the problems that you had never seen before over the last year?
1: Well, I think some of it, if you start kind of on the sales end of it, you know, the, the art, artistry of being a salesperson, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that was face-to-face. So for our salespeople, we had to probably do a little more talking about, you know, working in an environment where everything was not done with a good amount of face-to-face. So that I wouldn't say was a challenge. It was more Mm -hmm. of a dialogue Mm -hmm. Uh, operationally. I think it was uh, probably needed to look at our reporting, rely on our reporting a little bit more because mm-hmm. we weren't seeing, say, an underwriter, head underwriter wasn't seeing their underwriter sitting in, in an underwriting area and the closers weren't, you know, manager wasn't seeing their closers there. So mm-hmm. I would say the transition piece there was in the, mm-hmm. in the mechanism of moving alone along was more starting to become reporting-based and, you know, emails started to flourish more and Teams phone calls mm-hmm. started to flourish more. So it was more... Like habitual business habits that w- were changing, so that you weren't losing the same efficiencies, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. I, and of course, we all know in the beginning, you know, there was you know adjustments in warehouse lending and loan guidelines, and some non-QM investors pulling out mm-hmm. of the marketplace. So that cha- that was maybe your our biggest challenge in the sense that we have to look and say we were able to take care of the consumer base that was looking to us to have a loan, had a loan in process, and now that Mm -hmm. loan's not available. So you kind of have to walk your way through that.
0: And then just dealing with the sharp changes in interest rates and how that's going to affect everything else in the the funnel. We definitely saw a, a volume spike initially when everyone was being able to disclose loans at a low rate. And it seemed like it kind of settled down to a point below that now where it's manageable for people, but, you know, still a lot of companies pulling their hair out right now. Yeah, you brought well, there's a lot life.
1: of volume going on in the industry yeah. and it does make a, a time labor demand and everybody mm-hmm. has a certain amount of energy they can carry for a period of time. Yeah. And so, you know, that is a balance.
0: You made a point earlier about um, the loan officers and kind of the individual borrower facing salespeople having to adapt. How have the successful ones done that?
1: Well, I think, you know, a few years ago, we had a meeting and it was saying, hey, what does the loan officer of the future look like? If you're a mm-hmm. call center, you, you kind of have that uh, more strategized. I think in the retail side of it, where it's relationship during with your builders and your builders and your financial mm-hmm. planners, you know, we what we started to do actually about two years ago is we started to build this entire booklet of all of our selling behaviors and how we were interacting with all those people. So how we addressed mm-hmm. it was we spend um, several hours every week, individually, myself and another person meeting with our loan officers. Mm-hmm. And we literally go through everything they do. What's your first phone call? Like, what what were your realtor visits? Like, how do you do those Zoom calls with your realtors today? You know, are you really using your CRM to help you out now? You know, before you might've went out and walked in a real estate office, talked to an agent, got a verbal referral. Now mm-hmm. you got to, you got to attack that in a different way. So we have um, what we call a loan officer playbook, and it's very thorough, and mm-hmm. we work that with our loan officers, and it really goes into the art of selling for themselves, for their business, mm-hmm. the use of our vendor products. Are they really using our products mm-hmm. to their fullest? How can we expand that? Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's that been a big key for us in working to make sure that mm-hmm. our loan officers adjust it. Kind of one of the funny things I share with people is we had one loan officer, when we had done his we try and do three reviews a year and we had done his last review in 2019. And we said, hey, you're not using our mobile app that much. You know, the mm-hmm. clients can do all these things on our mobile app. And the officer said, no, I need everybody face-to-face and I don't need it and I'll probably never need it. Now mm-hmm. we meet with and he's like, thank God I got that mobile app. My <laughs> clients sign their app docs on it. Yeah. You know, my clients, you know, check their loan status on it. My mm-hmm. clients upload documents on it. You know, so it's really, it's, uh, it, COVID has really forced a, transition in all all throughout the world in comfort level with online use, whether it's buying a product or getting a mortgage or looking for a car. So we we literally have mapped our way through that and increased our technologies quite a bit. And a really Mm -hmm. interesting thing that's happened is our loan officers now are spending more time talking to the consumers about product comparisons and talking to the consumers about the value of the transaction that they're going through and what should be the value of their loan term and you know what are their cash out options? Where, where is the best place for them to look for their new loan size on a refinance? So I feel that our um, non-mortgage uh, statistical part or data mm-hmm. part is, is shrinking in the use of the technology but our communication with the consumers is going mm-hmm. up. And I really think it's actually better it, it's really making us integrate to those consumers. Let's face it, a mortgage is a big choice. And, yeah. and having them talk more about the value of the loan itself versus the statistical data mm-hmm. is a big help.
0: So do you think by looking in, in one of the things I see when we talk to loan officers and listen in on loan officer conversations, the ones that I think are really successful say, what does this refinance mean to you? What are your goals? It looks at that transaction as a part of what the person's doing and almost has a fiduciary responsibility uh, to to help them. So do you feel like the transition to looking at it that way and utilizing those tools happened solely because of COVID or was the industry kind of slowly working its way towards that?
1: Yeah, I think the industry has been working its way towards that for really two reasons. I think if Mm -hmm. you kind of take a transaction, there's the art of the sale in the beginning and then Mm -hmm. there was the mechanism of fulfilling it through operations at the end Mm -hmm. and With technology moving, you look forward and say, hey, can the mechanism take more of the sales piece? And that allows us to make the transaction maybe a little bit smoother uh, to the consumer, maybe a little bit more of awareness to the consumer. And in a way, loan officers looked at it and said, oh, you know, hey, if a client can fill out an application online, that's kind of like taking my value away. But the opposite side of that is no, it actually gives you the value time to spend with a consumer to help them make the right and appropriate choice through Mm -hmm. having data that you can share with them. So, you know, using products like Lodestar for our fee structure, using products like Mortgage Coach or MBS Highway, mm-hmm. you know, these products uh, are helping us to transfer information to the consumer so they can make the very best choice for themselves. So our time allotment has changed with the technology, but that just all happened more rapidly because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: that that makes a lot of sense. Um, and you had mentioned um with some of the tools up front is there's the technology that used up front for the loan officer conversations and leveraging that so they can have more of that kind of one-on-one time with the borrower what have you seen later in the process change in terms of technology from by the time you're processing the loan underwriting and even closing has that been accelerating or different in the last year
1: yeah there's been some nuances that have happened there too you know our mobile app product uh, has you know the ability to be integrating Uh, during the loan process. So now a processor Mm -hmm. can just go in and they could type in, hey, I need another pay stub and it can pop right out and the consumer gets a little, you know, message notification on their phone. So it's affecting us while the loan's moving through the transition. And then of course, now there's a much faster emphasis to say, can we start to go to remote online notaries? Can we go to hybrid Mm -hmm. closings? You know, can we start getting into that piece a little faster sooner you know, not every state fully allows all those. Mm-hmm. And there's some terminology differences or nuances in the industry. But essentially, I think on the backside of the transaction, what's happening is the development of, you know, the MERS registry for online, you know, kind of the library of mortgage mm-hmm. notes nationwide, and then the e vaults, and then MERS having a, you know, the library to know where every mortgage note, what e vault it is in the country. Mm-hmm. Is all that's going to kind of like stack to the consumer where the consumer now can say, okay, I can, I can be, you know, on another continent because I travel for a business or whatever, and I can close loan, or I can be in one state and my mm-hmm. closings in another state, or I can be signing from my house. So yes, I see it's, it's um, influencing the entire transaction all the way, all mm-hmm. the way through.
0: And you, you brought up e-closings and I um, was, I forgot where I saw this this week, but I think the percentage of closings right now that are digital are like 4%. It's, it's it's very low when you think of what the technology could be, how promising it is, and quite frankly, even how much we hear about it. Um, is that something that you're doing at all right now at Draper and Kramer? Is that certainly yeah, we something are. you're planning they're, on? Yeah, we're doing them. They're very
1: limited, just like what you right. said. Really, mm-hmm. when the tech when we you take the technology and you say, okay, is it workable? Is it secure? Is it safe? Mm-hmm. Is it a saleable loan? Yeah, you work out all those pieces, but then you have to take and say, okay, what's the what's the input mechanism that the human labor takes to put that in? And, you know, in the beginning, we started to offer them on on a limited basis. What I was hearing from the title companies and from my own internal staff is, hey, I have to do more input to do that e-closing. And then I heard the title company saying to me, hey, it's actually more work for us to do that e-closing. The consumer feels it in a way that's a little bit simpler Mm-hmm. But nobody else does. And I what's think leading that,
0: to that work? Just kind of the the admin side of it, or making sure yeah, I think the probably the
1: code and the technical writing of the products and things like that. And mm-hmm. so you know if you're if you're in any business and mm-hmm. you you have something new that is going to be a little smoother for consumer, you always want to do it. And and our momentum is obviously all in that direction. But the other side of that is if you have a demand where you've got X number of consumers, you have to execute in a day, and you kind of go we'll call it old school a few years from now we'll call a regular closing old school it's on its way to being old school today but it's not but Mm -hmm. i think everybody's kind of going old school and saying we just got to crank out as many of these closings as possible and i think when we come out of this thing uh the e-closings is going to really be a leading piece i think in the industry and that some of the more recent technologies that people have built for e-closings are much much smoother Mm -hmm. and so i'm looking to see us adopt more of that over the next several months and a much higher percentage.
0: Mm-hmm. That actually segues well to um one thing I wanted to ask you. We talked a lot about this year and looking backward, but how are you thinking about 2021 and kind of planning into the future in this new normal to use another term that's been thrown out right. so much in the well, last year?
1: We you know, we expect rates to stay basically in the same range, probably slide mm-hmm. up higher as the as the vaccinations take place and as we see some new transitions um, with the new administration and all. But I think we feel pretty safe that maybe we're going to see a few wild swings, but that rates are going to stay generally good for the next year or two, which leads us to a good place for purchase market. Uh, And I know that, you know, builder sentiments were 83% Mm -hmm. um, in December when they were polled. So that's a good thing. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of housing starts that are pent uh, up for new homes. So I think looking to 2021, I look at it and go, hey, this is going to be a, a really good purchase year. Mm-hmm. And last year was a better purchase year than anybody expected. Mm-hmm. And so I, I feel there's, uh, there's good volume. I think mm-hmm. volume is going to stay high for several months. Mm-hmm. I think that organizations uh, in 2021 are probably going to be able to maybe at moments have a little bit of a breather where they can look at their staffing. Because last year, I think organizations were scrambling to grab bodies. And this year, and then we need to look at them and go... OK, where has technology merged with labor and where's our efficient spot, you know, in our processes, in our workforce and in our technology so that we can, you know, continue to move forward for years to come? Because I know at, at Draper and Kramer, we're, you know, we're 127 year old organization. So we're not thinking just about today. We're always thinking about tomorrow and beyond.
0: hmm. Well, make, makes a lot of sense. And you would reference kind of your playbook for loan officers in the sales playbook. How does that differ on the refinance transactions versus the purchase transactions? What things will loan officers fundamentally do differently? Obviously, some relationships like realtor relationships, but what else beyond that?
1: Well, a lot of the practices for what we do for loan officers would be realtor marketing or builder mm-hmm. marketing or financial planner marketing, mm-hmm. prior client marketing. Those are, you know, are you're able to have a lot of products in the marketplace that we're fortunate Mm -hmm. to be able to use to build to that for Mm -hmm. your consumer on the refinance. We're more driving towards the value proposition of what they have today and what a refinance looks like. So that's where spending the time talking to them about the financial structure of their transaction. So there we're more using products and data that can help us sell to somebody. Is it the right time for me to refinance or is it not? Mm -hmm. What's the right loan size for me? you know, what's the right term for me? Am I better to go to a shorter term, paying my home off right. earlier? Better go to a longer term to help my budget because now mm-hmm. maybe my family has some economic inconsistencies because one spouse has, a, one partner has a very solid job and one partner has a very sketchy job because they don't know where the economy is mm-hmm. going uh, regarding, you know, COVID and, and things of that nature depending mm-hmm. on the industry you're in. So I think the difference is, one is data-driven, financial data-driven, and the other one is, more relationship uh driven and mm-hmm. opportunity looking to mine for the opportunities when there's a
0: potential buyer right but right? the purchase being more relationship and refinance being a lot more data driven yeah mm-hmm. and now, then how obviously do you...
1: at the end of the day you want have a great relationship with everybody right. but it's just it, it's the nuance
0: well and also i think one thing that is a struggle for this business in general is is this a technology business or is this a relationship business i think the answer is both but how do you balance that when you're when you're training your team or dealing with customers yeah i
1: i kind of uh, as i kind of look at it like the movie robocop like mm-hmm. you got to have half man half machine that that's <laughs> okay. that's what i look at it like and my loan officers are not going to be successful unless yeah. they have great technology they're just right. not they're not. Mm-hmm. not you know there's a shelf life if you're yeah. not willing to chase the technology
0: right
1: but there's a human piece where you know, people, I think, look, all of us in life want to have human comfort. Why does somebody listen to a blog? They're, they're interacting with human beings right. and listen to information. Now, we use mm-hmm. the technology to execute it, but we know it's about, yeah. it's about who you know, mm-hmm. h- how you value somebody. Do you have a genuine human concern for your consumers? Yeah. Did you look out for their best interests? I think that that intention, mm-hmm. if it's the, the, the buildup of the person we have, the ethics and the character and the commitment – that our loan officers have to the consumer, it's going to be felt and they're mm-hmm. going to feel like, Hey, I've got, I've got all of my data on, you know, I'm Matt Patterson's my loan officer. I can pick up my, you know, I can pick up my phone and I can go ahead and I can go to just right. so a picture of my grandkids real quick, but uh, you know, I can pick up my phone and I can get everything I need from a technology basis. But I also feel like right. if I've got a curious question, I can call my loan officer up and yeah. communicate with them.
0: And I think you, I, I love your answer. And I'm already thinking of, uh, uh, image of the Terminator RoboCop in the middle and then kind of the person on the other <laughs> yeah. side of like, you want to be right in the middle, the, the perfect fit. And I think you touched on that. Is, for me, the technology kind of becomes table stakes where you need that because you need to be able to pass that information along and have that seamless experience. Um, but I do think that the relationship is is very much being lost, especially on the lenders that approach it more like, you know, Terminator and full-on robotic, um, which, you know, there are plenty plenty out there. Um, Well, when I started,
1: when I started in the industry in 1982, I used a day timer to schedule myself, you know, then it went to, you know, I have a computer and now you can get your schedule on your watch or your iPhone. So, you know, but the main thing is, is technology has changed, but it also changes how I, as we're talking about how I manage my day and my time Mm -hmm. uh, to the best opportunity.
0: Yeah, and I think the folks like yourself who have been successful are able to leverage technology to keep that relationship part of the business too. I agree. So the last question that I have that I like to ask is what, from a work or business perspective, what gets you excited in the morning? What gets you up, you know, after being in the industry for, for going on 40 years now?
1: I, I really dig. I really, like, uh, I really like helping people have a stronger, better career. Mm -hmm. That really excites me to be able to uh, talk with someone, strategize with them, build, you know, a team around them as a producer, Mm -hmm. understand how they can sell to their personality. Mm -hmm. You know, one size doesn't fit all. So I what I really drives me is I get up in the morning and thinking I can help somebody that worked with me today be Mm -hmm. better at what they do and more successful at what they do. That to Mm me honestly is like a very, it's like breathing to me. That's how I, it's natural to me. It's how I get up each day. What keeps me up at night, what keeps (laughs) me up at night is trying to end every day with all my emails done or having them asterisk for the next day to start my to-do list.
0: I like that. Yeah, I mean, at some point I think you just have to shut it off. I made the smart decision. I think well over a year ago of turning off my notifications. So things don't kind of beep in the middle of the night. Yeah, Yeah. It's definitely one thing I recommend. No, I love that. I think creating that job and and helping people sell in a way that makes sense for them. um, It's just so important. So that's, that's such a wonderful answer. Um, So thanks so much for having, have coming on Matt. Is there anything you want to plug, promote how people can find you?
1: Well, Draper and Kramer Mortgage, DKMC, you can go online, find Draper and Kramer and Mortgage.com or DKMortgage.com. Our company is in all of the states in the United States today, other than Hawaii. And we've got a very good uh, reputation and loan officer staff, competent uh, across the organization, and would love to help any consumer out there that could use
0: us. Perfect. Thanks so much for coming on, Matt. This was fun. All right. Thanks. Have a great day. Appreciate the time. Great. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Lodestar's Lending Leaders. Please like and subscribe wherever you get this podcast. If you have any ideas for upcoming episodes or would like to be a guest, please reach out to us at lendingleaders at lssoftwaresolutions.com. Hope to hear from you.